Last three weeks, we've been talking about the end, looking at the end times, end of the world kind of stuff. And uh, the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about parenting and doing a new series called Parenthood. And this week, I want to segue, I want to transition from talking about the end times to talking about parenting. Now, that's not really as hard a transition as you might think. Uh, because uh, truthfully, um, you know, as we move into the end times, and I seriously believe we're moving there rapidly, uh, it's going to place our families under strain. Uh, it's going to affect our families. And so I think these two series actually complement uh, one another. Some of the best parenting advice uh, I ever received, I actually got off of an aspirin bottle. It said, take two aspirin, keep away from children. And uh, that has been really helpful to me. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles or your smartphone or however you look at the Bible, you can open up and follow along in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It'll be on your outline if you got those passed out and on the screen as well. Uh, Paul starts out in this chapter. He's writing to Timothy. Timothy is a young pastor, one of Paul's protégés that he's brought up into the pastorate. And so Paul is sharing his wisdom with Timothy. And he is describing for Timothy what life will be like in the last days. He says in verse 1, he says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Now, you know, as you look at that list on your outline or as we look, look at that, that laundry list here on the screen, I mean, is there anything there in that list that you would desire to be present in your life, to characterize your life? You know, how would you feel as a parent if that list described your children? Now imagine that you are a perfect, holy, righteous God. And that list describes the people that you have created. How would you feel? What would you do in response to that? Let's take a closer look at some of the problems that can come into the home in the last days. Paul says these are are terrible times, perilous times, hard times are coming for families. Now, in one sense, we've been living in the last days ever since Jesus came the first time. But Paul is saying that the problems that he's listing here are, are going to intensify in the days leading up to Christ's return. And and I think we've seen evidence of that. I know in my life, I do not live today in the world that I grew up in. I mean, the world today is much more like this list than the world that I grew up in. And as these problems manifest themselves in our culture, uh, they're certainly going to affect our family life. I mean, these are difficult times for uh, families and parents and children. You know, in, in America, nearly 6 million wives are abused by their husbands every year. Six million of them. 
And, and based off of verse 3, that, that problem's only going to get worse because people are without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, and brutal. I mean, have you not seen the brutality increasing in our culture? You know, many homes don't have a biological father as the head of the household. Over 40% of the children who are born today are born to single mothers. Over 40%. 85% of young married couples believe that their generation is more likely to divorce than their parents' generation. Well, what does that say about an already skyrocketing divorce rate? third of all elementary students return to empty homes. And more and more children are having to raise themselves. They're being parented by TV and the Internet and video games. Apostle Paul predicted these types of problems would come, and especially in the last days before the return of Jesus Christ. And he cautions us. He says, we need to do all that we can to avoid becoming like the people described on this list. First, you know, we need to avoid self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is the root of many of the problems that we have in family life today. I mean, you cannot have harmony in the home if everybody is looking out for their own selfish interest. Uh, you know, mothers, fathers have, have a long history of devotion to their children, but we're moving into a time when, when people are becoming more and more self-centered, uh, even, even among parents, even among mothers. Paul gives us four aspects of self-centeredness here in our text. The first one is people will be lovers of themselves. Now, it is proper to love yourself. In Jesus' great commandment, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, there, there, there is health in loving yourself. There is health in loving yourself enough to care for yourself and do the right things for yourself. Okay, there's a healthy self-love. But this isn't referring to that. This is referring to having a high opinion of yourself, to becoming more and more fond of yourself, to becoming more and more narcissistic. You put yourself on the throne of your life and everybody else has to revolve around what you want. You want to receive praise from other people. Paul says that these people will be boastful. They will be proud. You know, for years we've heard a lot about self-esteem. Schools promote self-esteem programs. Parenting books talk about self-esteem. And, and I agree, it's important to have a good self-image. A good self-image that comes out from of being loved and, and of making a, a contribution in the lives of other people. But you don't get self-esteem by being self-centered. And Paul warned that in the last days, people will put themselves first ahead of everyone. How many times have you heard somebody say, how many times have you said, i got to do what's best for me? That's a sign of the end times. And parents make a big mistake when we try to build our child's self-esteem by making them the center of the universe. We need to teach our kids they're not the center of the universe. God is. Christ is. We don't need more self-esteem. We need more Christ-esteem in our lives. Uh, we shouldn't be surprised what Paul says next because lovers of self become lovers of money. In the last days, people will love money above most other things, including God, including family. I mean, greed has been a factor in the financial crisis that we find ourselves in. There's greed in corporate boardrooms, there's greed in union halls, there's greed in the halls of Congress, there's greed in the homes in America. You know, people just cannot get enough of other people's money. That's greed. If the love of money will characterize the last days, we've arrived. 
And Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 6.10, he says, The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It leads to stealing, to a lack of integrity, to irresponsibility, to dishonest business practices, to gambling addictions, to all kinds of crazy behavior. Now, there's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with acquiring wealth. In fact, the book of Proverbs, a lot of the Bible talks about the, God's desire that his people are, are profitable and acquire wealth and, and live a blessed life. But when making money becomes more important than pleasing God or meeting the spiritual needs of the family, then you've got a problem. And in our day, we see too many family decisions are based on finances, are based on how much money can we get, rather than based on what is best for everyone involved. In our day, children often miss out on parental attention, parental training, because their parents are too busy working. They're too busy pursuing more and more money. Lovers of money. Another self-centered problem is a lack of natural affection. Verse 3 says that people would be without love. And that that actually refers to a lack of natural God-given affection for one another within the family. That natural affection that parents have for their children and that children have for their parents. You know, for thousands of years, mothers have been praised for the unselfish love and dedication that they just naturally have for their children. You know, for thousands of years, fathers, uh, you know, have recognized their responsibility to protect and provide and guide and lead uh, for their family. Uh, Children have a natural love for their parents. They want to be close to their parents. They want to to please their parents. They don't always act like it, but even brothers and sisters have a natural affection for one another. Yet in the last days... Paul says more and more people will not have natural affection for family members. And I think this is one of the most profound signs of of the last days. I mean, evidence is just mounting that the family is decaying because of a lack of natural affection for parents for their children and children for their parents. You know, one of the hallmark signs is in, in this country since 1973, 55 million unborn children have been aborted. they've been killed by their mothers and their fathers because there was a lack of natural affection to care for that child. A significant number. I mean, it's a chronic epidemic problem in our culture of fathers abandoning their children. Fathers fathering child after child with a series of different women and just abandoning all of them, leaving them to care for themselves. Nothing to do with their kids. Now, there's a rise in child abuse and I think it's due to this lack of natural affection. We, we find that parents can abuse, beat their children, and it doesn't seem to bother them because they're missing something. And then it works at the other end of the spectrum. I mean, when a mom or dad are placed in a nursing home and they receive very little, if any, attention from their children, that's a lack of natural affection. You know, we didn't used to do that. Maybe you've suffered a loss of natural affection in your family. Maybe you've been abandoned or or neglected, and and that's such a painful thing to experience. I just want to give you some hope in that. I mean, this this message is pretty much a downer. But there's some hope here, because I want to encourage you to focus on the fact that even though, God says, even though the mother may abandon her child, God says, I will never abandon you. I will have loved you with an everlasting love. Find hope in that.
Another self-centered problem in the last days is that people will be lovers of pleasure. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I applaud you for being here, but many people aren't in church this weekend. They're, they're just not going to go because they, they love pleasure more than they love God. They'd love, love to go be entertained, do other recreational activities. Uh, you know, America has become an entertainment, pleasure-mad society. You, you can see that just in our media and in the news. I mean, it's bigger news what these celebrities do than it is what, what, what the real news is. We are so focused on entertainment. And, and that becomes a real problem when a society begins to pursue sinful pleasures like sexual immorality and, and drunkenness and drug abuse. Now, there's nothing wrong with the, many of the pleasures of life. In fact, God says that he gives those things for us to enjoy. But when you put the love of pleasure ahead of your love of God... You've got a problem, a problem in your life and a problem in the family. And so I'd encourage you just to do a health check and, and just look at your life and look at your family and say, is self-centeredness adversely affecting you in your marriage? Is it affecting you as a parent, you as a child, you as a follower of Jesus Christ? You know, is making money become more important to you and your family than spending time with your family or spending time serving God? Uh, do you value personal pleasure over God? Now, if, if you find that to be true, th there's hope. Jesus Christ says that if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Self-denial is the antidote to self-centeredness. Let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. You put Jesus Christ first in your life, you can overcome the self-centeredness that is just rampant in our day. Paul identifies other problems that characterize family life in the last days. He says abusive language in the home. Verbal abuse is more common uh, in the last days. Uh, verse 2, Paul says that they will be abusive. And that, that specifically refers to, uh, to speech. Uh, in verse 3, he says that they will be slanderous. It's just amazing to me in our day how skillful people have become at hurting other people with their, uh, with their words. In our home, we, we love old situation comedies. Most of the TV that we watch is on DVD or black and white uh, because I love the humor in the old, uh, the old comedies. I try and watch new comedies today. I just can't stomach it because it is nothing but one-liner after one-liner that is an insult, a put-down. It's degrading. It, it's smutty. It's just, it's just barbarous in how it treats one another. I mean, is there any doubt that our language has become more and more coarse, less civil, even our civil discourse? And we can't even carry on a, a reasonable debate over issues without just this horrific name-calling. That kind of language has no place at all in our homes. I mean, in too many homes, parents and children are verbally abusing one another. And it's bad enough when the verbal abuse goes toward the children, but when the children begin to turn that kind of abusive, profane language back toward parents and toward other members of authority, you know, and they're picking up language from TV and movies and, and music, I mean, that's one of the characteristics of the last days. So how are things in your home? You know, when you go to the doctor, one of the ways he checks your health is he has you stick out your tongue. Uh, maybe you need to stick out your tongue at home and see what, what's coming off of this thing. What, what are the words that are flowing off of our tongues uh, in our homes? I mean, how you use your tongue says a lot about the spiritual health of your family. 
Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I, mean, I don't know what the speech is like in, in, when you're at home behind closed doors, but this would be a good verse to, to remember. This would be a good guideline to have. You know, don't use foul and abusive language. Use words that build each other up. Use words that encourage each other. And then Paul warns that in the last days there will be problems with children. Verse 2, he writes that uh, children would be disobedient to parents. Disobedient to parents. This flies in direct contradiction to the Word of God. You know, we're to honor your father and your mother. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Paul says in, in Ephesians 6 that children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, the truth is children have disobeyed their parents from time to time throughout time. But this isn't talking about an occasional disobedience. This is talking about a disobedience that is chronic, widespread. It's an epidemic of rebellion. I mean, are we seeing that fulfilled in our day? You know, I mean, younger and younger children are just living lives in rebellion against your parents. I mean, elementary kids are acting more like teenage rebels than, than, than sweet, obedient children. Yet God's desire is, is that children will obey their parents. So don't follow that trend. Don't, don't say, ah, oh, it's just the way things are today. If you have obedient children, thank God for them. And if you don't have obedient children, then you need to give them the consistent discipline that they need to learn obedience. Now, that's one of the things we're going to talk about in our Parenthood series. Another characteristic of people in the last days is they'll be ungrateful. Uh, both adults and children. They just will not appreciate the acts of kindness that, that people do for them. Uh, too many parents make the mistake of overindulging their children. And the toy industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. You know, instead of giving our children instruction and, and attention that they need, we substitute toys and entertainment and, and television and, and devices and trinkets. And then children get the idea that, that, you know, they just come to expect that we're going to give things to them. They come to expect that we're going to do things for them. They develop a sense of entitlement. And that sense of entitlement leads to an ungrateful attitude. And it just stands to reason that the more self-centered we become, the greedier we become, the more ungrateful we become. I'm owed these things. And there's no gratitude. God, God says we've got to fight against that tide of ingratitude in these last days. Gratitude ought to be a, a mark of our lives. Family members ought to show appreciation to one another for what they do and what they have. You know, is gratefulness present in your home? You know, as these problems become increasingly common in families, that doesn't mean that these problems need to characterize your family. You know, uh, don't be swept away by the current of the modern family. You know, God calls us to swim upstream. God calls us to dare to be different. And I'm so thankful here. Paul doesn't just whine and moan about how bad things are going to be. You know, he doesn't just say, well, ain't it awful? No, he gives us some real guidelines here that can help us live differently than this list. So, uh, number two, we want to prevent these problems in the last days. Uh, God calls us to a higher standard of living as believers. First thing he says that we need to do is limit our contact with bad influences. At the end of verse 5, he says, you know, you see people living like this, have nothing to do with them. 
you know, except trying to reach him for Christ, except for evangelistic efforts to reach him for Christ, he's just saying limit your contact with such people. 1 Corinthians, Paul says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And we need to turn away from the bad influences of ungodly people. You know, if someone's leading you into sin, if they're, they're leading you to turn away from the way God calls you to live, if TV and movies and books are, are poisoning your mind, affecting your speech, affecting your attitude, you need to turn away from those things. Pursue the things that are good and right and pure and true. Next, says that we should model a genuine faith before our children. Uh, there's an important contrast here in, in 2 Timothy. Uh, Paul uh, describes people in the last days, he says they will have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. You know, there is a form of godliness. It's interesting to me that our culture is becoming more and more spiritual. You know, you can't take beings that are made in the image and likeness of God and not have them worship not have them have a desire for religion. But what happens is, is that it becomes a false religion. They begin to worship the wrong things. It, it becomes an outward religion, a form of godliness. But inwardly, there's no power. You know, it's not true. Uh, you know, we see that all the time in our day. People who are just fake in the religious area. Now contrast that with what Paul says about Timothy. Back in chapter 1, verse 5, he says this. He says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. Paul says, you don't have a form of godliness. You have a sincere faith. And it started uh, with the grandmother, and she passed it to the daughter, and the daughter passed it uh, to Timothy. You know, we've got three generations of, of sincere faith here that's passed from one generation to the other. Uh, you know, parents, your children know if your faith is genuine or if it's hypocritical. Your children know. If you want your children to love the Lord and obey Him, you need to make sure that your faith is genuine, that your faith is real, that it's not just outward, that it resides inward. It's not all show and no substance. You know, if you live one way on Sunday and another way on Monday, if you go to church and sing and pray and, and worship and then have a foul or abusive uh, tongue at home, don't be surprised if your kids don't buy into your faith. They can see through that. Paul says we need to model a genuine, sincere, unhypocritical faith to our kids. Third thing we need to do is teach Scripture to our children. The last days will be days of deception. Uh, false prophets, uh, t false teaching, uh, sin will abound. And now more than ever, we need to teach the Word of God to our children. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.14 says, But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. Paul says, Timothy, you know you can trust those who taught you. You know, you know, grandmother Lois, mother Eunice, they taught Timothy the holy scriptures from the time he was a child. Eunice taught him the Bible story. She taught him the commandments of God. She taught him Bible doctrine. You know, why should parents teach their children the word of God? Well, it leads to salvation, first of all. I mean, can you think of anything more important than leading your child to eternal salvation? 
And if your children aren't going to be in heaven with you, does it really matter how good they are at sports? Does it really matter how well they do in school? Does it really matter how successful their career is? And if you want to see your children saved, you must expose them to the Word of God. Paul told Timothy, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. The word there means from, from, from the time he was a very, very small child. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Hearing and learning the Word of God is essential to leading a person, to leading a child to faith in Jesus Christ. And one of the biggest mistakes a parent can make is not seeing to it that their children hear the Word of God and come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's the responsibility that the parents have to teach their kids the Word of God and to win them to Christ. Now, obviously, children are not going to be educated in the Word of God through the public school. That is not going to happen in our day. It is illegal. It's not going to happen. We must teach them the Word of God in the home. We, we must bring them to church and teach them the Word of God. Parents, you need to be working in Rockbrook for kids. Don't abdicate your responsibility to teach your children the Word of God. Instead, participate in that activity with other parents and other children to make sure that happens. You know, that's the beauty of having so many services here at Rockbrook is you can uh, work in children's ministry in one service and you can worship in another service and the added benefit is is your kids get to hear the lesson twice. You know, repetition is the greatest aid to learning. You know, for me as a pastor, when our kids were little and actually even before I went into the pastorate, and we had our kids plugged in, we were working in children's ministry and our kids heard that stuff over and over and over again. There is power in that. Next, the Word of God equips children for life. You, know, you want to teach your kids how to live in these last days? Look, look what happens. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. God's Word is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. You know, the Word of God will equip your children with what is true. They'll know what's false when they hear it. It'll correct them when they're wrong. It'll show them error when they hear it. It'll straighten them out, teach them uh, how to do what's right. The Word of God will help your kids grow up, equipped to do the good works that God has called them to do. It'll help them become a contributing member of the church and society. I mean, what a contrast to what's happening in the lives of children all around us. You know, we're witnessing a, a terrible, destructive uh, climate in the family. And, and the Bible has warned us about that. You know, self-centeredness, families are in conflict, physical and verbal abuse is on the rise, divorce is epidemic, children are becoming more and more rebellious. And we see that even more and more in Christian families. And Paul says, no, 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 it does not have to be that way. You can prevent those things from taking place. You can't stop the last days from arriving. You know, nowhere in Scripture are we told to, to resist uh, the last days and the signs of the times and what's going to happen. In fact, Christ says over and over again, these things must happen. But God's Word tells us how we can survive, endure, how we can avoid the adverse effects, how we can live differently than the world around us. That's the call. 
Will you avoid those bad influences? Have nothing to do with them? You know, parents, will you model a genuine faith before your children? Will you teach your children the Word of God? You know, don't allow your family to become one of the troubled families of the last days. Be different. Be distinctively Christian. You know, every Christian parent prays for the salvation of their children. And maybe you're here today and, and, and you've never responded to that call, even as an adult. Today would be your day. Today would be your day to respond to God's word and say, yes, I want to receive this into my own life so I can make this a part of my family and a part of my household. A great day to give your heart to Jesus Christ. And if your family attends here but you've never stepped up to the plate and taken the membership class and gotten yourself committed... I'd encourage you to do it. I'd encourage you to take that step. February 8th, we're going to be offering our membership class. You know, move from the fringe of the congregation and become an active participant. Stop being an observer or an outsider. Move in to the congregation and make a commitment to this church body because we need each other in these days. You know, maybe God's stirring your heart that, you know, you know what, I need to step up to the plate and I, I ought to be working in, in Rockbrook for kids. I ought to be involved in the lives of the children. Uh, after the service, Pastor Don's going to be over at the, the table there and have an application for you if you'd like to step up to the plate and get involved in children's ministry. Uh, you know, we live in per perilous times, and it requires significant action on our part, or we're going to be swept away. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much that as we read these passages and as we look at the world around us, as we see the decay, as it's just so disturbing, we, we recognize that none of this has caught you by surprise. That none of this has startled you or knocked you off balance, but instead you saw it coming all along and you've had a plan. And I thank you that your plan was your son, Jesus Christ. Your plan was a person. And that we would come to him and receive him as our savior. That we would find the peace and the hope and the security that we need from Christ. And God, even more importantly, that you would place us into the body of Christ, your church. God, I thank you for the church. I thank you for this church. I thank you for a safe harbor in a chaotic world. A place where we can learn the truth from error. A place where we can learn how to live in such a way that it, it brings glory to you and it's beneficial to us. God, I just pray for our families that we, that we would move into your plan rather than resist it. That we would respond to your call so that we could be different. Maybe you're here today and you need to respond. You just need to open your heart and life and say, you know what, Jesus, I need you to come in. Bind up my wounds. Forgive my sin. Give me that new life. Help the old things to pass away and the new things to come. Christ, be my anchor in the midst of this storm. And maybe you're a believer, and, and it's time for you to connect with the church, the body of Christ, to begin to pour yourself into it and to receive what it has to offer so that your family can become not an island tossed about, but you'd be able to be part of something bigger than yourself. God, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.